Gordon Firemark is an attorney whose practice is devoted to the representation of artists, writers, producers, and directors in the fields of theater, film, television, and music. He is also the publisher of Entertainment Law Update, a podcast for artists and professionals in the entertainment industry. His practice also covers intellectual property, cyberspace, new media, and business and corporate matters for clients in the entertainment industry. Mr. Firemark serves on the Board of Governors of the Academy for New Musical Theater. In the past, he has served on the Boards of Governors of the Los Angeles Stage Alliance, the organization responsible for the annual Ovation Awards for Excellence in Theater, and the Beverly Hills Bar Association, where he served as liaison to the association's entertainment law section, of which he is a former chairman. Mr. Firemark holds a BA in radio, television, and film from the University of Oregon and earned his law degree at Southwest University School of Law. Before opening the law offices of Gordon P. Firemark, Mr. Firemark was a partner with the Business Affairs Group, a boutique entertainment law firm in Los Angeles. He's also worked in the legal and business affairs departments at Hanna-Barbera Productions and the MGM slash UA Worldwide Television Group and started his legal career as an associate at Neville L. Johnson & Associates, a West LA firm specializing in entertainment litigation. Gordon is an alumnus of the Commercial Theatre Institute and is also an accomplished producer of stage plays and musicals. He is the CEO of Fierce Theatricals, which produces small cast musicals, cabaret shows, and regional tours. He has been involved with the entertainment industry in one way or or another since his youth as a sound, lighting, and special effects technician in the theater. Prior to becoming an attorney, he worked in the television industry, producing and directing live sports telecasts, public affairs programming commercial announcements, documentaries, and industrial videos. In addition to teaching law, Mr. Firemark serves as a moderator and featured panelist at seminars sponsored by the Beverly Hills Bar Association, California Lawyers for the Arts, Theater LA, and the Oregon Artists' Right Coalition. As a podcaster and blogger himself, Mr. Firemark enjoys helping new media producers navigate the legal minefields they encounter as they work to produce valuable content. This is Jennifer with Online for Authors, and today our featured guest is Gordon Firemark. Good morning, Gordon. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I want to share the name of your ebook. Tip number one, choose a shorter name. (laughs) (laughs) The Podcast Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survivor Guide. As we were talking before, you you mentioned that you had uh, created Online for Authors sort of as you were speaking at an event for authors. And my uh, podcast blog and new media producers Legal Survival Guide was created very similarly. I was going to be speaking about podcast law at uh, what was back then called Blog World Expo. I knew I was going to be speaking at that event. And I had had in mind to write this ebook, but then I saw, oh, it's coming up on the calendar. So I just sat down and we had a new baby in the house and all kinds of crazy. Anyway, I went to a coffee house and I wrote out an outline and the next day I wrote the first chapter and two weeks later I had a book. Um, I decided to publish it and announce it at my speaking engagement at the Blog World Conference. So it worked out great. That's uh, some years ago now and it's a little due for 
a little bit of an update, but uh, you know, I'll change the copyright date on the, the thing. The, the law hasn't changed dramatically, so it, fortunately, it's uh, still a very viable. You have a section called Business Matters, and this was kind of my position in approaching authors was that they were not looking at themselves as a product and as a business. And I think that that too also happens in the podcasting world. We're not considering that we're building something substantial and treating it like a business. And, and the legalities and the liability around it. Yeah, that's right. You know, anytime you're creating content, media content of any kind, you are creating assets. Mm. And you are, you know, putting it out to the world is an act of a business, essentially. I mean, people put stuff out to the world as individuals all the time. But anytime you're selling a book or advertising to uh, uh, sponsors for a podcast, or really just anytime you're asking people to do something in exchange for what you've given them. Sometimes that's as easy as, hey, subscribe to my email list or buy my book or, uh, you know, just like me on Instagram. And that's a transaction. And that's sort of a business activity. And I think that professionalism means doing things in a business-like way, even if your goal isn't, strictly speaking, to make money from it. And I think some of the hazards maybe we want to highlight are that, uh, you know, you can get too far along sometimes before you give this consideration. Uh, You know, you can have too many episodes or you can run into a situation where you've invited Mm -hmm. a co-host and, and, you know, maybe there's a disagreement or what have you, or there's a belief that there's some shared ownership. Well, it's one of the most common uh, trouble spots that I see with podcasting specifically, but it's true of any kind of collaboration, really who owns what becomes an issue. And if you don't address it at the beginning, it's a harder thing to deal with later on. So, um, you know, when two people sit down to write a script or a book or, or create anything together, they ought to have that conversation about how are we going to split things? How are we going to own it? Oftentimes, though, when people get into podcasting, one person's footing the bill for all the equipment and the studio and the time and doing all the editing and everything else. And the other person shows up on Tuesday at four o'clock and they record their episode and then that person's gone. Are they equal partners? Well, probably not. But, you know, they, <laughs> the one has no sense of what the other's doing and putting into it. So when I was in financial planning, we used to say at the beginning of a relationship, that's when you sign the buy-sell agreement, not at the end. Right. And, you know, same idea. It's like to just determine what those terms are at the beginning instead of, you know, getting far along and then finding out, well, I thought I was an equal, but maybe I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So the buy-sell agreement or the or whatever the relationship of the parties is something that needs to be laid out. And that could be a very simple you know, note, but, you know, email exchange dealing with the questions of who's going to own it, or it could be the more complex, but the, frankly, the stronger, uh, forming an LLC together or a corporation or what I call having a podcast prenup, uh, mm-hmm. which is just the idea of, you know, getting this stuff figured out now so that if there's a problem later, everybody has a point of reference to look at it. Okay. What do we do now? And I I like this. So you really kind of gave me a kick in the butt. Um, I have a financial planning background and I actually, to be honest, I'm a little embarrassed. I also have business consulting background and um, you know, I maybe wasn't taking things as seriously as I should have been either. And I've been interviewing authors for almost two years. It'd be two years in August. And it's like, wow. Right. Yeah. 
shoot, how come I didn't have this? You know, I have contracts when I work with clients. Why wouldn't I have like, you call it a release form. I call it an agreement. Uh, So it's a podcast agreement that, um, you know, going forward, I will have every guest sign. And actually I'm going to go backward and say, okay, I know we did a podcast on this day. Um, If we want to keep it up, I need you to sign this form. (laughs) Do you want me to continue to promote you? I need you to sign this agreement Uh, and see how that goes. You know, I mean, ultimately not everybody's going to be happy about that, but um, if I want to move forward and build my assets, I better cover my, my other asset. This um, book that you have is called the podcast blog and new media producers, a legal survival guide. Now, Let's talk about new media producer and what you what that means. Well, I mean, all of these media, podcasts, blogs, YouTube video, Instagram, TikTok, you know, whatever the flavor of the month is, are, are in this category that starting, you know, 10, 15 years ago was being called new media. Some of them aren't so new anymore, but they are nevertheless uh, in this this uh, let's call it digital media for mm-hmm. a, a better term. These these technologies that have made it a much leveler playing field. It's much easier for anybody to publish their content, and with that, uh, we encounter the issue of people not necessarily knowing the rules that old media have used and abided by to avoid liability, protect themselves and others, and and sort of you know. Uh, be kind to the community at large, you know? So my goal in creating the book was to inform those folks that don't have a formal training in, in media, a background in media to uh, give them at least a resource to, to look for when they have a question about, you know, what's libel or what's slander or how do I set up my business and those kinds of things. The copyright infringement and highlight the fact that, um, you know, you may not understand that, uh, that picture or audio or um, that music video is actually copyright infringement and that, you know, at some point maybe you needed to ask permission and get a license and all these wonderful things. Uh, you know, it's it. I like that, that you've highlighted these and wait and more, uh, you know, you've gone into great detail in explaining, you know, where the source of, uh, you know, this was, I mean, you've gone back into the 1700s and given us the history of copyright law, uh, you know, so I, I love this. So anybody who's into history, definitely uh, would get a, a mini education on historical law here. I have a, a funny little story about that, if you don't mind. I'm actually preparing uh, a, a talk to a group of filmmakers. And in doing so, they happen to be at a Greek uh, film festival, the Thessalonica Documentary Film Festival. So I decided to go looking a little further back in the history of where does copyright really or- originate. And there was uh, there's evidence from ancient Greece in 550 BC that uh, bakers and and chefs were given protection over their recipes. And nowadays you can't copyright a recipe, <laughs> but you know it's it's at least evidence that people were taking these creations from the mind seriously as property. The Clinton administration, wasn't it, where we actually finally had the recognition of digital uh, media and um, the act added to, was it Congress added? Yeah, so the U.S. Congress came up with the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. It was actually passed in like 1998 or 99 and um, became yeah an update of the Copyright Act to deal with the fact that this internet thing was happening and we wanted to promote the advancement of, of things like YouTube and Facebook and, 
and uh, not have those folks being in constant fear of being sued every time one of their users posted something that didn't belong to them. And so it created the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which includes, among other things, a provision for the owner of a copyright to sort of quickly have something taken down. Um, and as long as those uh, hosting services are quick enough to, to take it down and follow a procedure, they are uh, immune. They're, they're in a safe harbor from these kinds of lawsuits. So it's been yeah, pretty effective, but it has its its flaws as well. I don't think any there's perfection in anything, right? We have to start somewhere and fine tune along the way. Indeed. So what can you tell me about you? What's exciting that's going on for you that maybe we want to pay attention to? Well, what's exciting about me? I, I just finished launching uh, my newest online course and product, which is called Easy Legal for Podcasters. And it is a how-to instruction and tool set, I guess you could say, for the folks who want to do it themselves. You know, certainly they're going to be the folks who would just like to hire a lawyer to get their businesses formed and their trademarks registered and their copyrights taken care of and all the contracts with their team and the people they need to work with. But uh, you know, uh, podcasting is still also a, a hobbyist kind of an adventure. And so folks may not want to spend thousands of dollars to hire someone like me to do it for them, but they want to learn how to do it themselves. And there's a lot of value in understanding what's going on underneath the hood of the, of the engine. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, understand it. Even if you don't want to do it yourself. Yeah, 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 definitely. We created that last week and I'm actually just now on the downswing from the stress of the the launch <laughs> and all that. Uh, and uh, I have a Facebook group where I talk about all this kind of stuff specifically for podcasters uh, called Legit Podcast Pro. And I'd uh, love to have folks come and join. I know many authors who are actually struggling with having mm -hmm. their works pirated right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is a problem. And, you know, as we said, with the digital era came the ease of piracy. It's, it's you know, let's face it, a, a digital file is very easily copied and transmitted and can be spread all over the world very quickly. There's not much that we can do about it, to be honest, other than make sure we're dealing with people, you know, reputable people, people of integrity when we share our work early. And once we publish something, um, we do have a, an obligation to sort of police it and make sure that we know where it's being circulated. So you want to set up those, you know, um, search engine alerts that let you know if the terms, the title of your thing or whatever show up. And when you can, it makes sense, I think, to, to use that Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown procedure mm -hmm. to uh, notify the hosting providers and say, hey, that's not theirs. They shouldn't have done that. Take it down, please. There's a, a sort of a formal way you're supposed to do that, but it's not a difficult process. In fact, um, you know, it's a, a one-page sort of letter does the job. Have you found knowing, um, you know, the the release, copyright, the business, you know, kind mm -hmm. of matters, a benefit to you in becoming an author and building an online course? Yeah, I would say yes. I mean, certainly knowing the the law of entertainment and media as a as an entertainment lawyer helps and and frames the way I approach things. And so perhaps I'm a little maybe I'm more careful, maybe less careful about some of these things. As you said, um, you know, the cobbler's children are the ones that don't have any shoes. Uh, the, the lawyer sometimes doesn't take as good a care of his own assets as he would have his clients take care of theirs. And so. 
Uh, but in the, in, in the long run, yeah, knowing the rules, understanding copyright law has kept me uh, on the straight and narrow with my own content. And um, uh, yeah, as becoming an author, it's certainly understanding the contracts, understanding how royalties and book deals work and so on is why I chose to self-publish rather than try to go to a big publisher uh, and end up sharing the revenue. You are self-published and you're putting yeah. your ebook out there on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you found to be, you know, the, the challenges and the successes in that? Well, I mean, the success is that every time I sell a copy of the book, I, I'm, you know, lunch is on the person who bought the book that day, basically. Uh, so I keep the entire amount of the revenue. I keep I, all the glory is mine. The downside though, is, you know, what, what major publishers really bring to the table is marketing and, and distribution with digital distribution isn't such a big issue, but marketing sure is. And so I've had to learn marketing, uh, for something like a book. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I think I've figured out a sort of a funnel. It's actually one step in a, in a larger process for me, but, uh, um, you know, if you're not prepared to do the marketing side, then I'd say be prepared to pay a publisher a portion of the revenue in exchange for their efforts to do that. And of course, if you want to get it out into hard copy, um, you can self-publish and pay for printing and all those kinds of, and shipping and all those kinds of things. Or you can rely on a publisher to handle that for you as well and and get it onto the shelves in the in the few remaining actual bookstores that exist in the world anymore. That's a sad thing, but <laughs> it's the reality. So. We're very grateful for our local ones here. They're very good. They're very good with that, even self-published yeah. authors. So that's fantastic. Oh, but uh, long gone are the days where build it and they will come, right? You mm -hmm. really do have to have a way to pull them in and yes. keep, keep their attention. Um, I don't think you know how I found you. No. How? So I went to the internet and I searched podcast release form. And lo and behold, Gordon, I found you. <laughs> yeah. And I downloaded your podcast release form. Now, it definitely got, got me um, pointed in the right direction and, and it introduced me to um, you. Uh, so when, upon receiving confirmation, you also introduced me to other ways to find you. You've created a system. Yes. Introducing yourself. Yeah. So the, you downloaded the uh, the podcast release form, which was the free yeah. entry level item in my, yeah, we in the digital marketing arena call it a sales funnel, essentially. And at the top of the funnel is that free experience where you're grabbing the attention of as many people as possible with something and you know, make them an offer of something that they can get for free. And then they are on your mailing list and you can send them a note saying, hey, by the way, if you like that, I've got this book. <laughs> and if you like that, I've got you know, here, follow me live on Facebook. See, come see me every Thursday when I do my, my live session and as the podcast lawyer live, uh, join my group, those kinds of things. And over, over time we nurture, we build a relationship by sending messages that, you know, have some value and hopefully a little humor or, or at least a connection kind of story. Uh, and you know, it, as the people who are interested sort of dwindle down in that funnel, you eventually get to, you know, the, the bigger ticket sales items and things like that. So it is a, uh, uh, a well-described process and uh, it's working nicely for me. So for a long time, the, the ebook was the end result product. So hello, get my free down my release, which is, you know, it's my crusade in life is to get every podcaster using a release every time with every guest, because I don't want them to get burned 
when a guest says, Hey, by the way, I don't like that anymore. I don't like you anymore. Take it down. Stop yeah. doing what you're doing. Um, which happens with some frequency actually. Uh, and, and also to understand copyright and all those things. So get that free release and I would nurture and I would tell them about the book a few times. And over the course of, I don't know, 10 or 11 emails over a few months, um, I would make a few sales. Then I started doing online courses and sort of added those to the deeper level of the funnel. And it's a work in progress, but probably five or six years total since I started doing it that way. Oh, the first online course goes back to, I think, 2009 or 10, right around the time I wrote the book. But it was a course for theatrical producers, how to be, how to be a theater producer called Theater Producer Academy. And another uh, one of your businesses. Well, it's another part of my practice as a lawyer as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I have produced a few shows myself. Yeah. Um, and over the years, I've had a, a courses on other things as well, personal development course and, a, and a, a course on how to podcast specifically targeted at lawyers who want to create podcasts. Because um, we have some ethical and legal restrictions on the way we do things and, and uh, lawyers, believe it or not, aren't usually the most marketing savvy strategic thinkers <laughs> about that kind of thing. So I had some ideas and learned from my own mistakes and decided to share it with others. When I built Theater Producer Academy, quite honestly, it was a, if you build it, they will come kind of a model. And I was wrong. <laughs> they didn't come so easily. I really did have to get out and promote it. And I used sort of direct mail, direct email marketing, uh, buying lists, uh, paid advertising, all of those things, which all still work. But to build a sales funnel, like I described a few minutes ago, is much, it's more organic. It's a more streamlined process. And really the key is that you're nurturing that audience of people to, to build a, that know, like, and trust factor. When people know you and like you and they begin to trust you, that's when you can ask them to get out a credit card. So, Well, you have a, quite a series of resources also that you've provided. Podcasters and, and business entrepreneurs. Again, if you go to gordonfiremark.com, it's all sort of housed there. For, for podcasters, it's podcast law forms as well. Uh, I also have a, a business and legal toolkit for just general business entrepreneurs, uh, online entrepreneurs as well. And that's called the uh, Digital Entrepreneurs Business and Legal Toolkit. So it's all found there on gordonfiremark.com. You know, the information that you're providing is definitely U.S. law because that's what you're familiar with. Um, but there's so, so many overlapping. The principles are similar uh, globally. So mm -hmm. it's a matter of making sure that you know, um, you know, what's relevant for not only where you live, um, mm -hmm. but your audience. Yeah, the truth and is. The you know things like copyright law are almost universal. The, there are nuances in different countries, of course, but you know 186 countries around the globe have signed the International Treaty on Copyright Protection, and that means that wherever you're located, when you acquire a copyright, you can expect countries around the world to protect and enforce those copyrights as well. Likewise, the law of defamation and libel and slander and privacy and and uh, those kinds of things are fairly consistent around the world, uh, certainly in the, in the Commonwealth nations that originated from England and, and so on. Um, and, you know, different rules and structures for corporations and limited liability companies and limited companies and other, you know, the nomenclature varies, but the structures are 
fundamentally the same around the world. So, yeah. so what's fun that's coming up for you in the near term? I'll be speaking to a, a film festival of documentary filmmakers in Thessalonica, Greece. And, uh, and then, I, I, you know, I love the sound of my own voice. Who am I kidding? So, so I, I'm going to be doing a lot of speaking. Um, I used to love to travel to do speaking. Of course, that hasn't been happening so much. Um, but uh, hopefully by the end of this summer, I'll have an opportunity to go to Nashville to speak at the uh, Podcast Movement Conference. So, uh, that, that'll be wonderful, assuming it happens on schedule. So. Everybody keep wearing your masks and take care of yourselves so we can get out and do those things. It's almost a year. We locked down last year here, Mm -hmm. a year ago next week. And so it's a long haul. Like we've really, yeah, it's changed everything. It's changed that we've been doing things. Yeah, us too. In fact, I came home from the last conference that I spoke at live and then my kids' school shut down a few days later. and, And here we are. It's been a year. It's crazy. Yeah, we got to keep at it. We don't want to be doing this the rest of our lives, for sure. Agreed. What are the most important things authors should be thinking about from a legal standpoint? Well, you know, uh, authors of, of of fiction sort of have it easy, as long as they're not copying storylines and characters and, and uh, you know, uh, plot things from uh, or, or settings for that matter from other people's work they they're in in pretty good shape originality is the answer for for copyright uh where we we get into a little more tricky issues is with nonfiction when you're writing nonfiction and you're talking about people you run the risk of invading their privacy or you know exposing them to some kind of ridicule or, or actually hurting their reputation defamation uh, libel when it's in print or, or mass media publication is you know a false statement that is made about a person that causes harm or damage to their reputation when it's factual now jokes and and opinions and those kinds of things aren't but certainly um, you want to be thoughtful and careful about having corroboration for any sort of factual statements you make about other people, about businesses, brands, those kinds of things. Just make sure you have multiple sources that will back you up on the assertions that you make and and you're in pretty good shape there. What did I read? Uh, I think it was in in your book, actually. I read something about um, making sure we stick to the facts. Yes. Well, again, we are entitled to express our opinions. In fact, opinion is, is, you know, a protected kind of speech here in the U.S. And I know Canada has this sort of similar approach to free speech that we do, although perhaps not codified in our constitutions the same way. We want to advance the thinking and the public discourse on, on matters of import, public importance. And so we protect those things. And so you're allowed to share your opinion. As long as your opinion doesn't cross over and start to be a fact or sound like a fact, calling somebody a criminal or uh, accusing somebody of business improprieties and those kinds of things can be harmful to reputation. So your opinion about somebody is certainly something that you hold. It's a true statement. So the fact that you have the opinion, I guess, but as a general rule, if you're, if you're doing nonfiction and you're doing factual information, yeah, make sure it's real. Make sure it's true. I, th- I think that word that we use a lot in, and it, it's defamation is probably the proper term, but slander, you know, yeah. it's, you know, we don't want to be. Yeah. So slander is the, the spoken word version of a statement that causes that harm when it's, when it's published, made to a large audience. Certainly when there's electronic media involved, then we call it libel. They're, they're both under the umbrella of defamation. Yeah. 
It's, it's good that people are familiar with all terms. Thank you very much for that. Every bit of this information just empowers an author to do a better job and to protect themselves. So thank you. That's why I do what I do. I want to, I'm a believer in that freedom of speech and freedom of press and, and sharing of knowledge and information through more and more speech and conversation. And so I want to make it easy for people to do it safely. Uh, I, I saw you launch your your course, and I got a little. I was a little late in the uh, watching you get it out of the gate. I think I caught the last couple of days, but I, I've really enjoyed um, engaging with you uh, when you do your lives through your group. And uh, it's fantastic that you've taken the time to do an interview with us. Well, thank you. That feeling is mutual. It's been wonderful engaging with you as well, and everybody in the in the group. And uh, I'll just one more time invite your listeners, anybody who's interested in podcasting at all, legitpodcastpro.com will get you into the group and onto the list and all those kinds of goodies as well. So you do lives within your group, and yes. you actually we get a taste of you know. Gordon, your personality and the information that you have to share by checking you out there. There's so many different resources here, so many ways to get a hold of you. The easiest way for us to find your book. Visit podcastlawbook.com. Yeah, directly from your website. That's the easy way. Yes. I mean, you can come to my my main website at uh, gordonfiremark.com as well. But. I'm really glad that I, I came across you and that Likewise. we've had the time to, to chat. And thank you very much. My pleasure.